So a question for you this morning. Who knows what the very first fast food restaurant that was created? The very first fast food restaurant. Bing. Bing. <laughs> That's not fast food. That's gourmet food. The first. Nope. 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 All right, give up. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. White Castle. 1921, the very first fast food restaurant. I don't know if you've ever seen their little sliders. They're really gross and disgusting. They put little onions on there. Just kidding. They're amazing. Just depends. Depends what you're in the mood for, right? Tacos or hamburgers, but... 1921, very first fast food restaurant. Now, the second fast food restaurant, and I'm sure most of us would assume, right, was McDonald's. You know, they started as a barbecue restaurant, and then after that, they decided to, and they moved from the Midwest to California, where they opened the McDonald's. I think it was San Bernardino, 1948. This one, Burger King, actually was called, the first was called Instaburger King. That was in 1954. KFC opened 1952. Pizza Hut, 1958. And it's funny how Pizza Hut, the... the reason they came up with Pizza Hut, it wasn't that they started in a hut. They only had three more words that they can put on their sign. So it was pizza, and then they said hut. Pizza Hut, 1958. We all know Starbucks, of course. Domino's Pizza, Jersey Mike's, Wingstop, Chipotle, Popeye's, Chick-fil-A, Subway, Taco Bell, Wendy's, Dunkin' Donuts, Panera, Sonic, Arby's, Five Guys, Carl's Jr., Cane's, In-N-Out, Del Taco. McDonald's yearly brings in $37 billion, 37,000 locations in 120 different countries. In America, the combined fast food, $295 billion in, in America that fast food, just fast food brings in, and it brings in $570 billion worldwide. And so as we start this morning, we think, you know, about fast food for a second. And, and what has fast food replaced in our lives? What did fast food do to America? But what did fast food do to the world? You know, I think before fast food, most of us, we would cook at home. As we cook at home, as, you know, whether they're farmers or whatever they did, if they had to leave their house for work, they would pack a lunch, home cooked from scratch until someone came up with a bright idea. We need something fast. 1995, waiter.com started delivering food to homes. Pizza Hut started delivering pizzas to homes 1994. We know Uber Eats started 2014, DoorDash 2013, Grubhub, Postmates, home delivery up 204%, million different users, generating $30 billion in just home delivery. We see that as, as life has progressed, as life has really sped up for most people, there's something that is happening. 
There's something that's changing. And see, as people, what we don't realize is we're starting, we're starting to take shortcuts. You know, most manufacturers today, most of their ingredients have changed. Just at, at restaurants, most of you know I work for Cisco and I sell food. But when customers, when it's time to raise menu prices, they do two things. A lot of my customers will raise the price and then they reduce the size of portion on the plate. They make more money and they're giving out less food. Same happens with manufacturers who make mayonnaise. The ingredients that are in mayonnaise today, they're different than what they were 30 years ago. Why? They make more money. As life progresses, what we don't realize, what we've given up, what we've traded in, is we've learned to take shortcuts. Fast food, the effect of fast food on our body, there's a lot of fat, sugar, salt, we know that, which causes water retention, bloated, swollenness. Fast food will elevate blood pressure, stress on your heart, type 2 diabetes, cancer. Even fast food eating has been linked to depression, believe it or not. Most of us, we've created so many tasks in our life and we've created so many things to be busy that we're looking for shortcuts. Parents, turn to your neighbor and say, you're a parent. How many of us, when, man, all my pictures come out fuzzy, isn't that just beautiful? How many parents remember the first time we heard our very first baby cry? Remember that little soft little cry? And was it the very first cry? It was so adorable. It was like, me. Wee wee, right? The very first time, and how many parents, our hearts just melted. It was like, it was so beautiful to hear that little cry. But after a hundred times of hearing that cry, how many moms and dads were like, can you put a muzzle in that thing, right? How many parents were like, <sighs> how many of us remember when our kids first got hurt, fell off their bike? and skinned, skinned up their knee and were screaming at the top of their lungs. And it was, and we were thinking it was World War III, bombs are coming down because the, the scream and the sound of that scream, it sounded so penetrating. The windows were shaking, the house was rattling. We thought the big one is coming to take us out and then we get outside and it's, it's this little Johnny just falling off the bike and he skinned up his knee. It's like, oh. but how many, I can remember one time, when I was in sixth grade, I was riding on a half pipe and um, the half pipe was like, I think it was 12 feet on one side and like five on the other. So I dropped in and I went down, I came back around and I fell off my skateboard and I landed on the, I guess the wood they used wasn't very good because I had a splinter about this long. It went right in my side of my leg. And so I jumped on my skateboard, raced home and I'm screaming and I, I'm yelling at my dad, pull it out. So he just, Yanked it right out. And how many of us can remember certain times where our kids, in, in, they're in danger, they're in pain. And I got to save them. I got to save them. How many of us, anything, anything that we could do, even today as our kids grow, how many of us parents, we know that most of us, for the most part, will do anything we can to rescue our kids, to bandage up our kids, to help relieve the pain. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start with one of the verses we closed with last week. And then I'm going to relate a few of these things here in a minute. But if you have your Bibles, we're starting in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you'll just kneel down and worship me. 
Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil went away and angels came and he took care of Jesus. And so the first thing I want to talk about this morning is did the devil really care? Did the devil really care if um, Jesus would really bow down and worship him? Did he really care about worship? Absolutely not. Jesus, the devil did not care. He asked Jesus, hey, bow down, worship me, right? Let's see if it's working. Yes, it is. He didn't really care. He didn't really want the worship. He didn't really care. But what he wanted Jesus to do, this is what he wanted Jesus to do. He wanted Jesus to trade in this, the cross, from carrying it. We're saying to be hung on the cross. He wanted him to trade the cross. He wanted him to trade it in for this for people, for social life. He wanted Jesus to trade in the cross. He wanted it to change, and that word worship there means political power. He wanted Jesus to give up the cross for what he could get right here and what he could have right now. And you think about today, what are the things are the devil is asking you to trade in your life? We think about the cross. The cross is, is not... It's not a pretty picture. You know, in the Philippines today, they crucify people and they let them walk around town and they parade them. And then after they're done parading, then they, they pull them off the cross. People will literally do this so they can get more points in heaven. Jesus nailed to the cross. He wasn't there to parade around. He was there to suffer and he was to die. He was to be the sacrifice for our sins. The devil and what he was saying to Jesus with that temptation, he didn't care for worship. He didn't really care about the rock, the stones jumping. He cared to stop what he was meant to do. Jesus was meant to die. And that's a horrible thing to think about. You were born to die. But Jesus was born to die. He was born to carry the cross. He was born to walk up that hill to the top. And he was born to hang on that cross to be a sacrifice for our sins. And today, many of us, we trade in the cross because we don't like suffering. We trade it in for our friends and the social life. Many of us, we trade in the cross for moolah. That looks good, right? That looks like a big fat wad of money right there. Many of us will trade in the cross for that. Many of the people, they don't want to suffer and die and be on a cross, so we'll trade it in. You know what's more important? The corporate life. For people who are... Musicals, sometimes they trade in the cross, pain, suffering because they're so addicted to music. We have people who are addicted to sports and they trade in sports for the cross. We have people who are addicted to weightlifting and they love lifting weights. And there's nothing like lifting weights. I love lifting weights. But you know what? Through all of this, you have to take a step back and say, what am I really being trained to do today? And number one, fast food, we're being trained to take shortcuts. And why am I being trained to take a shortcut? And then the second thing you're being trained to do, you're being trained to skip the process. How many of us can think back to the old days? There was something special about the bread that was being made, homemade. There was something special about the, the chicken that was caught and butchered and made fresh, cooked up. There was something special when dinner came together because the process was amazing. The love and attention. 
You know, my kids today, even though I don't go out and butcher a cow or a chicken or any of those things, you know, when, when there's food that needs to be cooked, I will do my best. But no matter if my food is spectacular, dynamite, out of this world, most of my kids will say, can mom make it? Mom can make it. Identically the same. But the process of love that mom puts into that, that hot chocolate, the process of love that mom puts into the dinner, even if we both did it the same, even if I wash my hands and put a hairnet so none of my beard falls in there, even if it is absolutely the same, they do not like the process in which dad does it and they want mom because the love that mom has, the process. And today you're being trained and I'm being trained to take shortcuts. We are being trained to skip the process. That is what we're all being trained to do. And lastly, you know what we're, trying, we're trained to do today? Avoid pain at all costs. For some reason today, we feel that pain, it's not good, right? It's not good, it hurts. Pain, tears, misery. Do you think, for a second, hanging on the cross felt good? Do you think having your two feet nailed into that wood beam felt good by any stretch or imagination? Do you think that your wrists being nailed into the cross felt good at all? Was, was there any joy? Just, woohoo, I'm ready to jump off and do car wheels. Like, it's just... So amazing, right? But why is it today you're, you're being trained and taught in me, we, to take shortcuts, skip the process, and avoid pain? You know, C.S. Lewis put it this way. He says, I suggest to you that it is because God loves us that he gives us the gift of suffering. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, we are all like blocks of stone out of which the sculptor carves forms of men. The blows of his chisel, which hurt so much, is what makes us perfect. Pain, which we love to avoid at all costs, but maybe, just maybe, it's the pain God's trying to use to get your attention. Another one by C.S. Lewis, it says, pain it insists as being intended to. The minute a kid screams, pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. All of us this morning, we have family. We have friends. We have brothers and sisters in the church. We have, quick, we have um, co-workers. When you hear a painful story, what's the very first thing you do? Encourage, love. When someone is actually being prompted by God to go through some horrific, horrible things, that's not our choice, right? It's not our choice. If God is leading someone through something painful and horrific, do we have the right to stop it? Do we have the right to stop what God is trying to do because he's trying to get somebody's attention? 
And again, you know, this morning, and we all are like this. We are so good. We are nice, happy, kind, loving. We are amazing people. And so when our family, when our friends, when our brothers or sisters, when our coworkers and a family in the church, when there is pain, when our kids who are young and old, no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing, no matter what they're going through, the minute we hear pain, we have been trained to avoid pain at all costs. And so what we do for our kids, what we do for our family, what we do for our friends is we offer them a shortcut. Whatever you're going through right now, let me give you a shortcut. Let me give you a shortcut. Many don't come to church today. Why? They've been trained to take shortcuts. They've been trained to skip the process. They've been trained through COVID. I have to avoid pain at all costs. Five years ago, no one, no one who had a cold would skip church because they had a cold. No one. But why is it today, if someone has a cold, a runny nose, or a cough, stay away, you're the devil. Most of us, 99% of the people are not going to die from getting a cold. But yet we hang up the cross and get away from me. You're going to kill me with this. We have become trained and so fearful. When we, that was nothing that ever used to consume us at all. Shortcuts, skip the process, avoid pain at all costs. And this morning what I have to ask you, because I know that for us, some of us go through different painful things as adults, bills, jobs, family, and even our kids today and our friends all have painful moments. Are you carefully stepping in without realizing it to become God in their life to tell them it's okay, let's get you out, let's give you a shortcut? Because if it's God who's working in the process, if you stopped in and you cut that process off, whose place did you just take? God hasn't put you here to take shortcuts. He hasn't put you here to offer shortcuts. God hasn't put you here to skip the process, nor allow anyone else to skip the process. God hasn't put us here so that we may avoid pain at all costs. And I, it's not a pretty thing to think about. Pain is horrific. The cross, the suffering, all of those things. It sounds rough, sounds horrible. But you know what happens? If you offer your, um, <laughs> I keep forgetting to clear the picture. If you offer your son, your daughter, if you offer your friend to skip the process, to take a shortcut, you know what you do? You just set off a time bomb. If you take God out of their life, the process, and you replace it with your suggestion, they will explode later. And when they explode, it will be far worse than the pain that they started with. 
when we stop what God is trying to do, when we stop what God is trying to say, C.S. Lewis, remember, said he's trying to shout through the pain to get the attention, to chisel the hard stone. When you replace that with your shortcut, when you replace that and no, you need to leave here, you need to go here, you need to do this, you need to do this. When you replace what God is trying to do, you have just set off a ticking time bomb, which means something to have a serious effect on a person or situation later in life. God spiritually today in the last two years, we can see through COVID, he has had to get our attention he has. The church of Jesus Christ was way too comfortable. We used to show up on Sunday mornings spiritually with our pillows and our sleeping bag. Church two years ago was so comfy and so easy. We as Christians had it so easy in our lives. There was hardly any persecution. But today, if you want to stand for the word of God, if you want to stand for coming to church, you will be persecuted. If you speak the truth today, you will be persecuted. You will, we will. What we don't want to do is we don't want to be the person who helps someone avoid the process in which God brought them to. If you go with me to Mark chapter, this is my main um, scripture for today, my main text. That was my intro, and I've got a good another hour and a half of preaching. And I'm going to try and get through it quick. But if you have your Bibles, join me. We're going to go to... Um, Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, look, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat. It began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on the cushion. His disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care? We're gonna drown. Verse 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped. There was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other, that the wind and waves obey him. You know, life's it's getting kind of stormy out there. Life's getting kind of stormy out there. And there's two things I want to point out from this story. You know, when, when a storm hits, if you're not in a personal storm right now, you will be. And if your family members aren't in a storm right now, they will be. And if your kids are not going through a storm right now, they will be. And so for many of us, accepting number one, life is about going through the storms. It's what gets our attention, unfortunately. But through those, many of us, we think, is God asleep? Through every storm, why is he not doing this for my kid? Why is he not doing this for my wife? Why is he not doing this for my husband? Why is he not doing this in my job? Why is he not doing this in my finances? Why is he not doing this in my grandkids? Why is he not doing this here? Why is he not doing this here? And just like the disciples, they are freaked out of their minds because as they're crossing the lake, waves were crashing over the boat. It was a freaky moment. What's Jesus doing? Ah. He's taking a nap. And many of us, there's things we prayed and we said, how come God is silent? God, if you're really real, I need an answer right now. God, if you're really real, I need deliverance right now. God, if you're really real, I need a million bucks right now. God, if you're really real, I need this right now. 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 And then we step back like disciples. 
is God sleeping? Why is he silent? Because it's the storm that he's trying to use to get your attention. What if the silence, what if God's silence, what if it's silence, what if God's being silent to see, one, if you're going to take a shortcut? What if he's being silent to see if you're going to skip the process? What if God's being silent because he wants to see if you're going to try and avoid the pain or the storm at all costs? My last two scriptures, I promise. Matthew 13, starting in verse 18. This mic sucks today. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. The, then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Verse 21. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or persecuted for believing in God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, even 100 times as much as been planted. There is a process to blessing. There's a process to blessing, and it's not taking the shortcut, and it's not skipping the process. If you want to be fully blessed, and I'm not saying money so full of the, in the bank that it's just awesome and amazing. That's not what blessing is. Blessing is every part of life that works together perfectly because God has gone before you, because God is behind you, because God is all around you. It is the process that God wants to take you through that will lead you to be blessed. But we as people can't skip the line. We can't take shortcuts anymore. We can't skip the process. It's all about the process. And we can't avoid pain because it hurts. The process, the blessing. So I, I read this story and there's a few things that Jesus points out in this parable. Number one is don't be robbed of truth. Don't be robbed of the truth. And he tells the story that there was a farmer sows some seed and he throws it out. A bird came and quickly ate it up. People come to church Sunday mornings and they hear the word of God. If you go to a church that preaches the word of God, you are hearing the truth. But soon as you leave church, immediately thoughts start to come. Well, that didn't really apply to me. Well, I didn't really get anything today. The devil instantly trying to rob you of what God was trying to get into you. No matter how long you've been saved, if it's three million years old, if you have been a Christian all of your life, every time you hear the word of God, even if it is the same scripture that you hear every single week, it, there is something in there that God's Holy Spirit will reveal to you if you don't get robbed of truth. But many times, Sunday morning, many times when we hear a sermon, many times when we hear it on the TV, immediately after hearing the truth, immediately after hearing the word of God, the devil goes to work to what? Rob you of truth. If you want to go through the process of being blessed, you have to learn, I will not let anyone or anything rob me. I need to get to church early. 
I need to be on time. I need to go to bed early Saturday night so that I am ready for Sunday morning service. I need to make sure that everything inside of me is ready. I can plan out. If we know, it's not like, now COVID changes things, but it's not like we change service time every week, right? We know it right now at Zoe, it's 9 a.m. every single Sunday morning. So how easy is it to plan out your week knowing I got to get there Sunday morning and I need to be ready in good spirits because God is going to speak to me. God is going to reveal to me. It's not John. It's not me. It's not pastor. It is not leadership. It's the Holy Spirit who's going to bring me there and wants to reveal the truth of his word to my life. I don't want to be robbed of truth. I don't want the truth because Jesus said it's the truth that what? It sets you free. You know the truth and it will set you free. The beginning of the process is I will not let anything rob me. But people walk out Sunday morning and then the questions start flooding their mind. too hungry. I'm too tired. I'm too sick. I feel it coming on. I feel COVID is coming back. And then we start being critical and we start thinking, did you hear that person said to me at church? Did you hear that person, how they looked at me at church? Do you know that that person didn't say hi to me at church? Instantly, the floods of thoughts that start coming through our brain, you know what it does? Satan's robbing you of truth. He's robbing you. You know, every Sunday morning, God wants to build an anticipation in you. Every Sunday morning, God wants to build before service an anticipation of what the service or what the Holy Spirit's going to say. And it's not John and it's not me. There is, I don't feel there's anything special about me. I love God. I love reading his word. I love preaching. But you know what? It has nothing to do with me at all. It is 100% God and it is 100% Holy Spirit. When I hear thank you, good sermon, it's not going to me. I don't take it as me. I take it, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals to me. It's the Holy Spirit that if he's speaking through me and you're hearing the truth, he gets the credit. It's not me. The truth, I can say a few good things. Joel can get up and he can do a few dance moves and we all like it. But at the end of the day, it's the truth of God that starts the process of healing. It's the truth of God that starts the process of blessing. It's the truth of God that starts the process of deliverance. It's the truth of God that starts the process of being saved. It starts with hearing the truth. We have to read the word of God, even if it's a little bit every single day. We must read the word of God. We must pray. Listen, even if you read a verse a day, start small. Sometimes people started so big and they say, I got to read 300 million verses. No, you don't. Read one verse and pray about that one verse. And then later on, read that one verse again and pray about that verse. Start small with truth, absorb the truth and let God plant it in you. And then secondly, Jesus said there was seed that was placed on the ground, but it was, it was shallow soil. There was rocks in that ground. There was rocky out there. It was so many rocks. As soon as the seed of God, as soon as the truth went out, because it was shallow, joy lasted for a second. There's many people this morning that they hear God and they get so excited. I'm excited. I'm pumped up for Jesus and I'm so excited. I am so stinking excited. That was good and it felt good and all of these things. And the minute they go out and they tell somebody else how excited they are about what God just said and someone brings up something that you don't have an answer for that's confusing. Jesus said the second person, this heart's, it's described as shallow. 
because it gets excited quick, but it fizzles quick. I'm excited. I heard a good message. Yes. I heard it. You know, John was decent, but somebody online was better. I heard this. I heard that. I this or that. Blah, blah, and I'm excited. But in two hours later, it's already fizzled. It's already gone. Jesus said, because there's persecution and there's things and trouble comes, immediately the joy of the word fizzles out. Immediately it fizzles out. Then Jesus described a third person who hears the word of God, but the seed of truth gets choked out by the worries of life. And how many of us in this morning aren't worried about life? Let's be honest. We all are worried about life, right? And secondly, the deceit of money. Jesus points out these two things choke out truth, that choke out what God's trying to do. The deceit of money and the worries of life. And honestly, this morning, all of us fall into that category because I guarantee you, all of us, we think about life. We think about life tomorrow. We think about life next week. We think about retirement. We think about this. We think about us when it's going to end. But going through the process, not letting myself be robbed of truth. Number two, getting rid of the rocks in my heart that are hard. And number three, getting rid of the weeds, which if you have a garden, if you have grass, how many of us know it's an ongoing process to keep weeds out. It's an ongoing process to keep the grass looking good, green. In your heart, it's no different. You have to continually work the process to make sure through all of that, that your heart is ready to receive. It's through the process that your heart becomes ready. And what did Jesus say through the process? Then you will produce 30, 60, 100 times. How many of us have ever taken a step back and said, how come my kid this? How come it hasn't been answered this? How come this, that, this, and that? And I wanna propose to you this morning, it's because we took a shortcut. It's because we've been trained to take shortcuts. It's because we trained our kids to take shortcuts. If you're not getting what you need here, you go somewhere else. Is that always the right answer? Absolutely not. Take a shortcut. Bypass the product. Bypass this. Bypass that. Taking shortcuts, you are screwing them out of the blessing of God because you cut the process off and where they were at. Don't do that. And I'm sorry for that weird, weird word. This morning, I got a couple more things to talk about, and I'm excited as we get into this part. How many of us love us a good walking through a maze? You know, going on the 10 freeway, there was a, a corn maze that was set up right over there, right? What I want to ask you this morning, if life was a maze, and every part of your life was a maze, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, if every single part was a maze, every time you get older, you start a new maze. Through every season of life, you start a new maze. Through every change of life, you start a new maze. Through every emotion, you start a new maze. And you think about that just to hear about it, it's like, ah, that sounds tiring, right? I mean, walking to this, right? Sounds tiring. But honestly, this morning, spiritually, that's all where we are. We keep walking through maze, through maze, through maze. And I want to illustrate it this way. There was a counselor who took her uh, patients through a, a maze. 
And these were addicts, and they weren't just drug addicts. They were people who were addicted to porn, people who were addicted to uh, anger, people who were abusive. There were, there were people, a broad spectrum of people who had addictions. And so this counselor takes all these students to a maze and says, here's the rules. You must follow the rules. You're all going to be blindfolded. You're all going to hold on to a rope. You must be silent. You can't talk to the person in front of you. You can't talk to the person behind you. You can never let go. Don't try and go over. Don't go under. You cannot take off your blindfold. But if you do need help, raise your hand. The people started out. You know what they did? They walked in circles. The counselor asked three different times, if any of you are confused, if any of you need help, just raise your hand. You know what they kept doing? Going in circles. No one wanted to ask for help. No one. Circles. So you know what the counselor did? She put on that song by the Beatles, I need a little help from my friends. Still, they're not getting it. And they're circling. Not stopping. They're not taking their blindfold off. They're trying to follow the rules. Not one stopped and asked for help. Not one. Why? Here's some reasons. I'm so busy trying to follow the rules, I don't have time to ask for help. Number two, I am stuck comparing myself by thinking, what in the, if there's a person in front of me or behind me, I wonder if they asked for help. Because remember, you couldn't talk. And so you had your blindfold on, you couldn't talk. And so some of the people are thinking, ah, I wonder if that person in front of me, I wonder if they raised their hand, if they got help. And I mean, should I do it? So their thoughts are thinking, what are the other people doing? Other people are complaining to themselves because they're saying, this is the worst experiment I've ever gone through in my life. I mean, why would I let anyone blindfold me in the first place? Why would I let any of this happen? Why, 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 why? Complain, complain, complain. Other people are feeling like the victim. You know, it's because I got pulled over and yes, I was drunk. I have to go to this class and now I'm in a dumb maze. I mean, what is, what is this all about? Are they teaching me anything? Why am I always the one who has to go through these horrible classes? And then here's two that are very, very important. This is why people get stuck. I will figure this out on my own and I don't need your help. I'm going to figure this out on my own. Some feel success is learning to figure out life on their own. I've got this. I don't need you. Don't need your help. Lastly, I don't need help because everything I know, it's right. Everything I know, it's correct. And so this morning we wrap up with three words. The first word is puzzle. And how many of us this morning, and my picture is probably a little fuzzy, but how many of us love a good puzzle? These are Thomas Kidcade puzzles. Could be hundreds of pieces, right? And how long is it to take and complete, you know, these beautiful, beautiful pieces of work, puzzles? Never really taking a step back to say, I myself am a puzzle piece. And you see in a puzzle piece is how you have two ends that are sticking out, right? And then you have the other two sides that are open for a puzzle piece to be put in. You see, we as people, we love sticking ourselves anywhere we want to. But what we don't like is when other people who we don't like 
want to speak something that we don't like and like put it into our puzzle piece, like the bottom hole. Oh, no, 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 no. You keep that opinion to yourself. No, 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 no. You keep that, that, that truth to yourself. No, 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 no. No. We don't mind sticking our lives wherever we want to stick. But we don't like it when God places someone in our life that's messy, that doesn't flow with our puzzle. Secondly, the word honest. And how many of us love honest people? Through the Thomas Kincaid picture of the puzzle, right? This morning, I think God's asking us to take a step back, to be honest, and say, where am I taking shortcuts? Where am I skipping the process? Where am I avoiding pain? Because if you do it in your life, you know what you're doing? You're teaching it in your kids, you're teaching it in your friends, and you're teaching it in every single person you know. I'm gonna help you avoid the pain. I'm gonna help you take a shortcut. I'm gonna help you skip the process. We have to be honest. In the story of the maze, in the story that I shared with you, not one person wanted to ask for help. Nobody wanted to ask for help. It starts with being honest. And you know what? This morning, every single one of us has at least one fear and one insecurity that we don't tell anybody else. If you were 100% honest, and I can't see deep in your soul like God can because he knows you. But every one of us in here, we all have a deep fear and deep insecurity that we don't want to tell anybody. It's getting down to that place and letting God work on those two things and being honest and saying, yeah, you know what? I need some help. I need some help. I can't do this anymore. You know, the puzzle pieces, each puzzle piece needs each other to make the beautiful picture. Jesus, he said, I came here not to ride skateboards, go surfing, enjoy the social life, but he did those things. I came here to what? Do my father's will. That's it. Jesus said, not my will. I'm here to do my father's will. And so I, cl I close with this last word, boundaries. And boundaries is defined as a line that marks the limits of an area and a dividing line. A line that marks the limits of an area and a dividing line. And so as I close this morning, there's a few questions. Jesus Christ learned to live within the boundary of what? His Father's will, even though it meant pain. Jesus lived with his Father's will, even though it meant pain, suffering, sacrifice, process, time, energy. Jesus lived within the boundary of what God put him here to do. And he didn't take a detour. He didn't skip. He didn't shortcut. He didn't let anything deter him from his Father's will because he lived and he thrived within the boundary of what God put him here to do. This morning, many of us, we have stepped out of our lines. We've stepped out of the boundary of what God has put us here to do. God has a boundary for you. God has a purpose and a plan for you. God has something, and maybe it's not comfortable, and maybe it doesn't feel right, and maybe you have no idea how to do it. That is where he thrives because God shows up and shows himself mighty, not in our strength, but where? In our weaknesses. He doesn't show himself mighty where you're strong. He doesn't need your strength. He shows up where you're weak so that he can be shown that he's strong. Living in the boundary 
of my father's will. Many of us, we've stepped out of our father's will. Many of us, we've let our kids step out of our father's will. And I don't say this up here saying that I'm a perfect dad, I'm a perfect husband. If you know me well, you know that I'm imperfect just like all of us. We all are imperfect. There was only one perfect man on the planet. Who? Jesus Christ. But I do try my best every single day through my imperfections, letting God work on what he wants to work in my life. So you can point out my imperfections. You can say, you could say critical things and it doesn't bother me. I know I'm in the process of what God wants me to do. And I try to make sure that I don't get shortcuts, that I don't avoid the process, that I'm not avoiding pain, that I'm living within the boundary of what he's put me here to do. And so closing questions. Number one, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? And that's not, that's not saying and repeating a simple prayer. When Jesus Christ becomes the Lord of your life, you surrender everything, everything, life, fame, money, success, everything means nothing to you. And you say, Jesus, you now are more important than anything to me in my life. Is he number one? Have you surrendered all? Number two, if you are taking shortcuts, it's time to step back and rethink the process. Number three, if you're avoiding a process, you need to stop and say, God, what am I avoiding in my life? What process am I avoiding? What are you teaching me? Because I'm like the people and the counselor, I keep circling blindfolding, blindfolded, and I'm not asking the right person for help. Those people went around and around and around, never once asking for help. Why? we as people, we don't want to admit our weaknesses. We don't want to humble ourselves. People who ask for help are humble and strong. People who don't ask for help have pride. And we all have pride, right? In certain areas of our life, we do. We must be honest about fear and insecurity. We must ask God and say, God, I need to really listen. I'm not going to avoid anymore. I'm here. And pray, 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 pray. Stand with me. We're going to close. And I probably said I'm wrapping up four times, but not 10 today, only four, six. Uh, Joel says six. And so as we wrap up this morning, as we get ready to close the big questions, God wants you to be so fully blessed in your life with your eyes closed and heads bowed this morning. God wants you to be fully, extremely, supremely blessed. Blessed beyond measure. That's not a snap of a finger. That's not rubbing of the lamp. That's not asking God, do I get three wishes today? The way that you find your full blessing, remember, I'm stopping taking shortcuts. I'm not going to skip the process anymore. I'm not going to avoid pain. I'm not going to let myself be robbed of truth. I'm going to keep moving the rocks out of my life. I'm going to keep digging up that ground. I'm going to keep removing the weeds because through that whole process, it's where I find my blessing. This is what we must teach ourselves. This is what we have to learn to teach our kids if we want to see them blessed as well.
God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for a beautiful Sunday morning. God, we thank you for this word. God, we thank you through the pictures. God, we thank you through the puzzles, through the mazes. God, through the fast food pictures. God, through all the different things. I pray this morning that you would illuminate in our heart, mind, and soul. God, this morning that you would show us all the shortcuts that we've taken in life that have caused hurt and pain. God, that you would show us this morning all the places we avoided process. God, I pray this morning that you would show us all the different areas that we have avoided pain. We pushed it away saying, that's not God, that's not God. No, God wouldn't do this, God wouldn't do that. And even in our own lives. But then when we've passed unto our kids, because now we've now robbed them of the process. God, give us strength this morning. God, give us courage this morning. These are hard things, pain, suffering, sacrifice to think about. But in the end, the blessing is worth it, God. So I pray that you would help our minds to not get focused on anything this morning. God, as even right now the devil is starting to speak. And even right now the devil is planting thoughts into our brains. And he's trying to rob things out of our brain so that we can make excuses. So that we can say, ah, no, nah, it doesn't apply to me. Ah, no, nope, don't need this. Don't, ah, uh, no, nope, no. Nah. The devil right now is trying to rob us. As we go, help us to find the way to keep the truth in here. God, help us to be honest. Help us to write it down. Help us to talk about it so that we may grow through the maze of life and get to that blessed life that you promise. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy, which covers us every single day. God, in this morning, we just pray for every single person here who's here and not here. God, that you would lead us to that next level, that next maze. God, that you'd help us to graduate from where we are right now, that we may move up, that our faith may increase, that blessing may increase. God, that life may increase because we're ready to level up and go to the next step. God, I pray this morning for all of us, God, that you would move us, that you would enable us to keep moving forward. God, we thank you for this day again. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read two last quotes and then we're going to just be dismissed this morning. This is uh, a good friend, Rocky Balboa, and he said, The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, nobody's going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you get hit and keep moving forward. How much can you take? How much can you keep moving forward? This is how winning's done. Every champion was once a contender. Who refused to give up? Who refused to give up? Going in one more round when you don't think you can. That's what makes all the difference in your life. Keep on fighting. Keep on going. You are a champion in God's eyes. You just got to step up to the plate. We love you. You're dismissed. Can't wait to see you next week. Bye.